Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. everybody how you doing Woo! well that's good welcome to broad street hockey's green room live post game my name is bill Matz. i'm your director of fun and games for the evening uh man that first period was a real drag uh but once the flyers got physically engaged uh, it became a whole different game they they really uh they really were able to take over uh really control of the game I would say starting with the uh starting with the Kevin Hayes goal Risto steps up on the blue line makes a real nice play uh Kevin Hayes fortunate bounce gets uh gets his own pass ricocheted back to him in a wide open net to put the puck into and it really seemed like that woke the Flyers up uh that third period is one of the best periods they've played this year I, I thought um despite not scoring a goal which we will get to the goal-scoring woes as, once again, they fail to beat more than two goals in a single game. Uh, but, hey, they win tonight, so uh, I, I guess we just got to praise Carter Hart more and say how he's winning without any offense. Uh, but this team desperately needs some scoring punch. They need something, uh, some sort of help offensively. Uh, and we'll get into their options, I'm sure, throughout this show. But, yeah, I thought once uh, once McEwen and Ristolainen uh, really started to put their physical stamp on this game, and Ristolainen especially. He's uh, he's been really good lately. I think um, they were they were able to push back and take over. It seemed like Calgary was going to push them around in the first uh, in the first period. Which my man, you just can't get pushed around on your home ice like that. I know Calgary; they play that hard nosed style. Uh, Kachuk is just the biggest pain in the ass in the world. They have some big guys on that team, but you just you just can't let them you know push your goaltender into the net. You just can't let them get away with some of the shit they were getting away with. I mean that uh, early on that TK getting sent into the boards head first, uh, and they only call it a minor. Uh, some other things that kind of got let go. It, the referees were only going to have so much control over this thing, which is funny considering they wouldn't let anyone actually fight. But uh, once the Flyers realized what kind of game it was going to be and they decided we will participate in this sort of game, uh, it, it became uh, it became like I was watching a totally different team. Uh, and They were creating chances. They were winning battles. And it, it seemed to really they just needed something to get them going once they got physically engaged. Once Kevin Hayes, you know, the, scores the goal, looks up, uh, tribute to Jimmy. It seemed like they all kind of remembered uh, what they're out there to do. And so that was a good sign. All right. Uh, we got a lot to get to. Nice, nice two points here. I mean, Calgary's been real good. They've been real good lately. Of course, a couple uh couple of Saturdays ago, they shot the Flyers out in Calgary. So this was nice to uh, 
nice to tag him back here and come away with two points. All right, let's go to the uh, let's go to the caller, see what everyone else has to say. Let's lead it off with Dan Allen. Dan, you are live on the post game. Hey, Bill. Yeah, man, that that first period was a little bit hairy, but the, the second and third that was some of the most entertaining hockey I've seen the Flyers play in a while. I'm really glad I watched it. After after the, the, after, after, the, after, the, after, after the delayed start. I was like, how how freaking long is this game going to be? Like, am I just going to have to sit here and watch them play boring hockey? Like, on a game that started at quarter to eight. Like, I, I thank God they woke up and they did, and it was awesome to see. But, yeah, that first period was garbage. Yeah, and, uh, you know, <clears throat> I'm one of those, you know, one of those weird guys who played goalie when I was, you know, in my youth. <laughs> so, I like a nice uh, goalie duel, and uh, Hart and Markstrom are two of the best goalies in the league right now. It's a, it's a, as a goalie aficionado, it's a kind of a pleasure to watch those two, those two play head that face off. Dan, I got to ask you, that save, while obviously we all wanted to see Scott Lawton score, that save on the penalty shot was pretty sick, right? It was so old school, you know, that the, the old- like, yeah, like, uh, it was incredible. I loved it. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't love it because I wish Walden would score, but just as a, as a goalie. Sure. Yeah. Seeing a goalie pull that move and not just, oh, I'll just butterfly and slide over and maybe I'll try to shrug my shoulder of the puck, you know, like most guys do, you know, that, that, that was pretty nice. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I definitely have to agree with you about, uh, McEwen uh, is really impressing me. You know, he, he's like a plugger, you know, but he's, you know, he's got good wheels and he's, he's four checks like crazy. You know, if, if all the flyers four check like him, then, uh, you know, uh, the dump and chase might actually work. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And he's created some chances. He had the goal a few games ago. He had the other one that got taken away that absolutely should have counted. Uh, what was it, last game, and he was in in the offensive zone again. Uh, if he's the third guy on a good, like, if he's got two good line mates out there, and in my dream world, when this team is healthy and we're getting everything we can, it's uh, probably Broussard and Limblom out there with McEwen. Like, that could be a good fourth line, and he brings that physical presence. He, had, he brings that element to the game, and we're seeing a little bit more out of him uh, than just that lately. So I like everything I've seen out of him, uh, Dan. How about you? Oh yeah, yeah, and, and the old school, uh, you know, mustache look. Yeah, I feel like he could, he could, you know, pop right out of a picture of the Brush Street Bullies, <laughs> which you know doesn't it doesn't hurt him, uh, you know, endearing him to the fans a little bit. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 you know, he's a very effective. I think I've said this before on on your show. He's a very effective uh, fourth liner, and uh, you know, it's it's nice to have somebody who just you know not just like a random guy, you know, that you know, the Flyers fourth line it seems to consist of the last number of years. Um, and before you, before I, I, uh, you know, sign off, um, Ristolainen again, like, uh, like you were saying was, uh, you know, this version of Ristolainen and inject him directly into my veins. And, uh, um, one criticism I would have at the team for sure is, uh, they do a lot of, uh, like in the defensive zone, they do a lot of like poking at the puck and, uh, like dropping the puck to nobody. And they turn it over so often. And, uh, you know, I, I would love to see them do what I've seen some other teams do, which is just like, you know, get the puck and control the darn thing, you know. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to complain too badly on a night that they won. So, uh, you know, anyway, thanks, Bill. And uh, you know, I'll talk to you next game. Thanks a lot, Dan. Really appreciate it. Yeah, they do. They do a lot of those lunge pokes and just trying to hope to get it free and hope someone else gets to the loose puck in the defensive zone. The breakout and all that stuff continues to, you know, be a work in progress for this team. Uh, but in terms of Ristolainen, 
how can you not be impressed with what you've seen out of him the last uh, the last few nights? Uh, really, since he and Sam Sanheim have started to click, Sanheim, uh, you know, hasn't started cashing in with the big offensive numbers yet. Uh, but he just looks so much better, so much more aggressive. He's helping create offensively, and that's what he's got to do uh, to be effective out there. I've really enjoyed watching that pair over the last week or so. They continue to develop some chemistry and continue to develop their own games uh, individually. Uh, Risk the line in those first couple of nights in the lineup. Man, it looks like it looked like every bad thing we heard about him coming from Buffalo uh, was absolutely the kind of player he was. And that's not to say he won't have bad games in the future. He probably will. He will probably have slumps. We will probably see a lot of his flaws in the future. But lately, we've been see- seeing a ton of good wrist lining. And uh, damn, do they need a player doing exactly what he does? Uh, Jeff Walber. Jeff, you are live on the post game. Hey, what's up, Bill? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I got you. How are you tonight? Awesome. I'm doing well, very well after that. It was an exciting game to watch, and we came out on top. Uh, you know, I'm not going to complain about anything, even even the low uh, number of goals in, in our favor over the past few games. So let's just hope we're headed in the right direction. Um, yeah, that's uh, in terms of the offense, like this is uh, this is Atkinson's first goal in eight games. Like the slump basically is aligned with his lack of production. Maybe this gets him going again. Couturier's also been struggling to produce. He gets the game-winning assist. He had a few other chances tonight. So uh, maybe this is the start of something. I was real happy to see Hayes come back after it looked like he might have re-injured himself. I guess we'll hear more about that uh, tonight or tomorrow. But uh, it, it – it could be things are starting to turn around and a, a win like this, like you said, an, an exciting win that's sort of, you know, the on home ice getting the, the walk off overtime win. Uh, maybe this could be the start of something here with the offense. Uh, in terms of offense. And I don't, I'd just like to get your thoughts on this. I'm thinking, I mean, going into this game, this was my thought uh, and Atkinson scored on overtime. So maybe no longer necessary, but I thought just to shake things up, just break him up from Farabee because I just don't see the two of them having much chemistry. Uh, and Farabee, I didn't think, had a particularly great game tonight. So maybe just a little shake-up for them, uh, get them both going again. Yeah, Farabee and Atkinson's production has been a real issue. I, I've thought for, a, like, move one of them up uh, and see if, you know, Couturier hasn't looked himself maybe the last few games, but... In the past, it's always been Dr. Couturier who's ever struggling. You put him out there with him, and it seems to solve the issues. So I would like to see one of them maybe get a chance uh, alongside Coots, and we see you know Atkinson out there in overtime with him tonight. So maybe that's something they take forward. Uh, but, yeah, I, I do think a further mix-up is needed on the offensive side. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up um, is, and I know this probably has been debated ad nauseum, but – I'm a huge proponent of the concept of electing to choose a two-minute minor over a penalty shot. I see no rational reason why you wouldn't allow the team that's been, uh, you know, that has been disadvantaged by a penalty to make that choice. It just makes total sense. So when is the NHL just going to figure that out? I mean, I, I think they did a good job with the icing a few years back and the onsides and offsides rule change. I like that. This is the next logical step. Am I wrong? I just wonder. I'm all for it. I wonder how many coaches would even take the opportunity away from this shooter to be like, nah, 
we're gonna we're gonna take the penalty and not let whoever you know like when it's Connor McDavid, sure, take the uh, take the free penalty shot. But when it's like, yeah, our third liner just got hauled down. I don't know. I wonder how many coaches would actually make the decision to right. take the power play. I will say, under no circumstance should Elaine Vigneault elect a power play because this team's. I mean, they, they <laughs> right. take a penalty right. kill first. Tonight being the exception. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give the other team a penalty, maybe, you know. <laughs> um, well, ridiculous. Now, our guy did something, too. We'll, we'll take a four-on-four, four, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Open the ice up. Uh, I got one more thing, and then I'll let you go. Uh, obviously, echoing all the things about Risto, the guy's a total beast. But I did want to give a shout-out to Provi on that two-on-one. He essentially covered two guys, and then Hart came up big with the save on the end, getting back. I just have to always give credit to Provorov. He's such a beast uh, and a, a total Russian tank. I just love watching the guy, and he's very clutch. Uh, I'm okay with the fact that he's probably not the greatest offensive player. I just I like watching the guy play defense a lot. That's, and the defensive game has really been there uh, lately for him. He's really stepped up, I've thought, uh, in uh, in Ryan Ellis's absence. You know, he's out there with Justin Braun. It's not exactly the dynamic partner he thought he was going to have. And uh, thanks a lot, Jeff. Um, Provorov has stepped up. Uh, the it's It's been good to see him build on. You know, it's been good to see a lot of these guys build on the types of years uh, you know, the down years they had last year and kind of uh, move forward from that. Um, current scoring slumps notwithstanding for a lot of players. Uh, it, it, like tonight's game is a perfect example of the change of this team. Uh, they did not roll over. They actually, while it's concerning that they needed to be drug into the fight a little bit tonight, uh, that once they woke up, uh, they were more than ready to uh, to kind of push back and answer the call, and they did tonight. I mean, fucking JVR dropped a glove and tried to cold cock somebody tonight. Like <laughs> that's a that's a team that's ready to go. That's what I want to see. I want to see uh, maybe this breeds more. Uh, you know, the type of game it was, and it's not like it was a brawl game. It's not like that fucking uh, Washington game a few years ago with the Emory fight and all that. But I don't know. This kind of seems like it could be a game with. Hazy getting the goal and uh, winning in overtime and just the, the physical chippy style of game this was. Like, it could be something to, to build upon. Uh, all right, let's go to Ian Ackerman. Ian, you are live on the post game. Big dog. What's going on, man? How are you tonight? Doing pretty good, man. Hit the, the big 4-0 today. The boys got me a, a win, two points. I'm, uh, I'm happy, man. Loving it. Ah. Congratulations. Happy birthday. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Um, I listened to the game, and, uh, man, it sounded like a hell of a game. I honestly can't wait to watch the highlights. It sounds like there's a lot of uh, a lot of nice hits, a lot of a lot of saves by both goalies, a penalty shot. Um, yeah, I, I can't wait to see the highlights tomorrow. And, you know, just it sounded like a good game. It was. And, like, the first period – it just had me grumpy. Like it was boring and the flyers looked like shit. They were getting pushed around. And then suddenly I'm sitting there like halfway through the second. My wife goes, it's a pretty exciting game. And I'm like, my mood has changed regarding like at first I was like, no, it's not. I was like, actually, actually I'm, I'm, I am finding (laughs) myself enjoying it far more than I was like 20 minutes ago. So yeah, like it really picked up at the second and then the third. Uh, And then of course, you know, the win in overtime, but it was uh, after a slow start. 
it was a lot of fun this one yeah for sure um not trying to complain too much after a win like some of the previous callers said but oof man when we had a five on three and multiple power plays i just don't understand we have the personnel i feel like like i just don't understand how the power play is not clicking i just don't understand how it's this bad like not clicking it just they don't they don't do anything. I don't understand the point of the power play. Like um, Washington, you know what they're doing. And they do it, and it works. Mm-hmm. But you know, like, at a certain point, they're going to find Ovechkin over in that left circle and try to team him up for a one-timer. Like, you know the point of what the good right. power plays are. I can't tell. Yeah, can't like, tell they you, don't have yeah, an identity I can't in tell the you what the play. Flyers are going for. Like, even for years, when the, when Shen and Hartnell were in the bumper spot, like, you knew it was going to be cross-ice passes with uh, with Voracek or a little slide in uh, to one of those guys in the middle to try to, to try to put one home from the slot. I don't know what the point is now. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, two things before I let you go. Um, I am really glad to hear that it seems like Risto's been playing a lot better, and I was very happy to see uh, Hazy get the goal. I know that's a big one for him with his brother Jimmy. So uh, I'm going to sign off and I'll listen to the rest of the uh, podcast tomorrow. Thanks, man. Appreciate it, Ann, and happy birthday again. Yeah, I mean, how can you just not – like everyone in hockey feels good for uh, for Kevin Hayes tonight, and it's – I'm, I'm sure we'll get an update on his health situation. It did not look good when he left the ice, um, when he got tangled up. I believe it was with Lindholm, but I don't remember. Uh, it, it You know, he's, he's hunched over. It's – the abdomen, it looks like something's really the matter. And uh, then he comes back out and he plays. So uh, hopefully he it was just more of one of those like, oh, no, what the fuck situations. And then, you know, he goes and it gets loosened up and he's like, all right, I'm fine. Uh, hopefully that's what it is. It was just more of an overreaction or uh, just something stung him and he was, he was whatever. Um, hopefully it's not any sort of setback and we see Kevin Hayes in the lineup for Hell, the rest of the season, honestly. All right, let's go to 69. Mr. 60, how are you tonight? Hey, Bill, can you hear me? I got you. How are you? Good. Uh, What a win. Huge win. Um, I wanted to point out, I mean, Matthew Kachuk, right? He kept pushing, kept pushing, kept pushing. He even knew, like, if he he got a penalty, he knew the Flyers weren't going to capitalize on it. That's why he kept going after everyone. Also, I mean, he picked his spots pretty well. He went after Sandheim a lot mm-hmm. when Ristolainen was nowhere to be found. He was pretty quiet when Zach McEwen tried to chase him down a few times. Uh, he picks his spots well. I mean, that's what he's out there to do. He's an agitator. That's his job. Um, but, yeah, it's – why would you be afraid to try – like, oh, yeah, I cross-checked someone and I'm going to go to the box for two full minutes and then I'm going to get out after two minutes – because you know what is going to happen? A Flyers goal. So, like, yeah, why would you be afraid to take a penalty against this team? They're terrible on the power play. Also, I want to uh, – Rasmus Ristolainen, definitely, for me, it's him and Carter Hart, players of the game. Shout out uh, Charlie O'Connor. I had to do it. Um, <laughs> that's his guy, Rasmus Ristolainen. Um, it, you know what's funny? You brought up something, like, kind of as a joke, and, like, I guess this is kind of how it goes for you about splitting up and splitting up G and Coots. And you kind of saw that in the third period. Yeah. And Coots was kind of, as soon as he gets G off of his line, he kind of has a confidence where he has to carry the line. And G actually looked pretty good with 
Uh, he had a couple good chances with Thompson and McEwen on the ice as well. Giroux, Giroux looked like it was 2012 out there on a few shifts. He was back-checking, just creating hustle turnovers. Uh, he dangled a guy, almost gets a goal, but Markstrom makes a nice save. Uh, Giroux looked wild out there. And, yeah, Couturier looked kind of shitty all night. And then suddenly, you know, they, they mix up the lines a little, and Coots looks like Coots again. So I, I, they need further shakeups offensively. They need to do some things. I'm going to talk a lot about Morgan Frost on the podcast when we reported on Thursday this week. Um, you know, Kevin Hayes getting back and getting in, up to speed and everything, that'll help the offense. But they clearly need one more, like, high-end offensive player on this team. I agree. I, I still think they should break up Coots uh, and G and just have them go out their own lines. I mean, I'm not a coach. That's what they pay AV for. He's got to figure out how to come up with two pretty good lines with G and Coots. Uh, I'm gonna hang up now. Yeah, I I feel you. It's especially in the off when like early in the season, first five games when everyone's scoring, everything everything looks great. Then it's awesome to be able to have G and Couturier on the same line. Uh, man, that is not the case right now. Absolutely nobody is scoring. you got to figure out a way to get somebody going. Gene Couturier are still your two best forwards. They're the guys who are going to have to be in charge of doing that and honestly splitting them up, not a terrible idea. Uh, Hayes is back. I don't really want Giroux on like a – you know, I, I don't mind Giroux even – I got to think this through how I would how I would do it. Uh, this is something that's going to come up on the uh, podcast when we record on Thursday. I guess I, I, I I'm cool with him at wing on a lower line, uh, but hmm, we'll see. We'll see what everyone else has to say. Uh, Tony Ski, Tony, you are live on the post game. Hey, Bill, can you hear me? I got you. How are you tonight? Good. Hey, uh, Bill, first time caller, and I've been listening for uh, three years. So thanks for doing what you do. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for uh, thanks for chiming in. Hey, so, you know, we've been talking a lot about Ristolainen, and, and uh, I know you're, you're in touch with uh, Charlie quite a bit. Is he uh, is he changing his opinion on him, or is he still thinking he's nuts? I mean, Charlie Charlie reacts to what he sees and what the data tells him, and, you know, Ristolainen was very bad in Buffalo. Like, it wasn't, it, it wasn't a myth. Like, he was bad there, and he wasn't very good his first few games in Philly, but I, I think everyone's just starting to come around on uh, just what they're seeing with Ristolainen. How could you not be? I mean, he's playing good hockey. Everybody can see that he's contributing. Uh, I think it's his physicality along with a couple other guys tonight that kind of got them back into a game that they were sleepwalking through through the first 20 minutes. And, I mean, the play he made at the blue line to get the puck down to Kevin Hayes to set up the goal was just fabulous for anybody. So I, I don't see how anyone could have a problem with what Ristolainen's doing right now. Yeah, it's pretty exciting to watch him play when he's when he's being physical. Um, and, you know, and that play to Hayes was awesome. And, and speaking of Hayes, you know, I, I don't know about you. I'm, well, I'm sure you were quite worried like I was when he went down. Um, you know, he's obviously not 100% still. Uh, but you think he might have aggravated, or you know, it was good to see him come back. It's it looked like a reaggravation, which is what the most recent injury was. He had the surgery, the initial surgery, uh, right at the beginning of the summer, I believe, right at the end of the season, and then you know, 
aggravates it, needs a second surgery, just uh, skating a little bit in the uh, early on in camp. And it kind of looked like, oh, no, he's hunched over. He's, he's, you know, reaching for the abdomen area. Kind of looked like that tonight. But he got back out there and finished the game. I cannot imagine that they would let him um, – go through with the rest of the game. Although Patrick Brown was out, so the team was seriously shorthanded. Uh, but if they thought it was more serious than him just being like, you know, something happened and it was uncomfortable and that, yeah, it, sure, it scared everybody. But if I, if it was anything more than that and they let him play, it's, Jesus, it's irresponsible. Yeah. Anyway, thanks again, Bill. The only thing, last thing I'll mention is, you know, I almost died when Drew passed that shot with like 10 seconds left. Oh, what was he? And thanks a lot, Tony. What was he doing? Like, Hayes was so far away. In no world was that pass going to get to Kevin Hayes. I I guess he's expecting him to be a little closer, uh, coming to the net a little harder. But, I mean, the guys, as we just said, already clearly not 100% could have re-injured himself, could have re-aggravated the uh, surgically repaired abdomen, whatever the issue was tonight. Uh, in no world was that pass ever getting to Kevin Hayes. I don't know what Giroux was doing, but that pass was never going – it was never reaching its destination. Hunter Moyer, Hunter, you were live on the post game. Hunter, you got Hello, me. Will. Okay. Yep, there you are. Yo, what's up? Um, I, How are you tonight? Not not bad. Um, I have a couple points. Um, the, the one is, I guess, about the line shaking. You know, I, I don't know because at what point do you say, listen, we can't shake up the lines because these, these players have to figure out how to play with each other. And the reason why I say that is because there's so many new faces on this team and we're only how many games into the season that I, I understand we're not, we're not playing too well shots-wise, but – from a coach's standpoint, and once again, I, I'm not a coach, so that that's you know why I'm not figuring this out. But when do you say, listen, you guys got to figure it the fuck out? I mean, this is now this is now nine straight games, and uh, Hunter, I'm I'm getting some get getting myself back in my headphones, so I got to drop you. But I, I you got to build chemistry, and you have to allow uh, you have to allow time for chemistry to build, especially with. Um, integrating new guys like Cam Atkinson. But, you know, so many of these guys have been together for a long time. Um, and, you know, you're, you're reintegrating Hayes into the lineup now as well. I get it. You want to build chemistry, but nine consecutive games with two or fewer goals. Now, they scored three against Arizona, but longtime listeners know one was an empty netter. I don't count that shit. They've, in nine consecutive games, scored two or fewer goals. Uh, they got to get something going offensively here. Uh, it, they're just – it's not good enough, whether it's a line switch. I really think uh, Chuck Fletcher just can't sit on his hands. I know it's hard to make moves in season. I know they're strapped for cash, but uh, shit, man. Get creative. Figure something out. That's why they pay you the big bucks. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. 
Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Harris Barnes. Harris, you're live on the post game. Hey, Bill. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, doing fine. Um, how is that not a major on that boarding call? I do not understand. I, I just like... I know it's not like it wasn't the most uh, like egregious push or like the most violent motion. But to me, when you talk about intent to injure, like when you see a guy hunched over and you're looking at his numbers and you use your stick to push him into the boards head first. If you weren't trying to injure him, then you're a fucking imbecile. Like it's one or the other. You're either the dumbest asshole on the planet or you were trying to hurt him. Which is it? Like that's intent to injure to me, without a doubt. And that's the problem with the NHL is it's consistently inconsistent, and the the reps um, officiate based on result and not intent. And Kelly tweeted that out today. Kelly has a lot of great tweets, but she tweeted out, and that deserves mentioning on the podcast. Um, yeah, and it's just like it's one of the most like cowardly dirty plays in the NHL. Like if you're going to clobber someone, do it in the open ice, like a man, like Cronwall, somebody at least not like break, almost break someone's neck. It's such a coward. Yeah, like hit, hit someone that's looking at you. How, like how hard yeah. can it be? It, most of the time, everyone's facing you, you know, like if you really want to hit someone, do it then. I, yeah, that shit drives me absolutely nuts. Like when you see a guy's numbers, don't do that. And you've been playing your whole life, which tells me you knew what you were doing when you did. And um, when the refs call things like that, it sets um, and just the inconsistencies, it sets a kind of a dangerous precedent. Like some players think, oh, this is sort of okay, so I'm not really going to get much penalty for it. So it it puts the whole league in a dangerous uh, position Um, to another point. Um, I think everyone is going to be rooting for Calgary to be losing the rest of the year because I think most people want to see Johnny in Philadelphia. I think everyone likes seeing players play for their hometown team. So that would be interesting if Johnny eventually does come. I'm not sure if it does happen. And would the Flyers uh, seriously consider, uh, for cap reasons, not necessarily re-signing Giroux and offering that money to Johnny if it presented itself? I I seriously what there's going to be some uh, they are going to make a play in free agency for Johnny Goudreau. I fully believe that to be the case. And honestly, like maybe I just have my hopes up, maybe just wishful thinking. I really think Johnny's coming home. Uh but there's going to be some interesting cap situation. Uh I like do they if they can't move JVR, do they 
did they consider buying out the last year of JVR's deal? Now, I think at one year, seven million, like someone would take JVR, but I also thought that about two years at 14 million, and, uh, you know, he's still here. So I. Would I do it? Would I consider letting Giroux walk? You just. Man, that's a tough one. That is a tough, tough call. You just don't want to pull a Buffalo to some extent. If you remember, Buffalo has not been the same since they pissed off both Drury and Briere. So they got neither of them in UFA and they haven't been the same since you don't want to like go after Johnny, not get him and then piss off G because you weren't offering him the money right away, then have him walk and then be stuck with no stars um, down the middle or forward. Perfect. Perfect world. It's just that Drew's cap hit. Is it uh, like it's not restrictive enough to stop you from going and getting a star player like Johnny? Like that's that's the perfect yeah. world. Yeah. So I mean, it'll just be interesting to see. I mean, it's early, and I, I almost doubt that like Johnny leaves or. But I mean, he's had so much time in Calgary, and they, they're not going to win in the playoffs with that core. Uh, it looks like so. I could just see him ending up at Philly at some point. I'm just not sure if it's this off season. I, I can only hope it's soon, Harris. Thanks a lot. Uh, Hunter rejoined. I want to go back to Hunter Moyer. Hunter, uh, sorry, I was just hearing reverb in my headphones. Uh, how are you? No, you're, you're good. Um, so, shit, not for real. Okay, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um, at what point, you know, obviously our power play's been bad, and this going back to being a, you know, what if year, and I'm not going to say the Flyers will make the playoffs because I quite frankly don't know. Uh, and hell, I might not know to the last game of the season. Do do you fire the assistant or whoever is in charge of the power play? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I realize it's an easy thing for me. Oh yeah, just get rid of the power play. But this is a consistent problem for years now with this guy. Uh, it's just not working. I realize that him and Av are boys, and he likes having. Uh, you know, a consistent staff with NHL coaching experience. But I find it hard to believe that there isn't a hundred people out there who could be doing a better job than he's doing right now. Yeah, I just – like, it's just scary how – and and say he does stay as the coach and, and we get into the playoffs again, that that's a make-or-break deal on whether or not you advance, whether or not you capitalize on those situations. And that was huge when they played – um, the Islanders in that series, uh, they just their their power their special teams was awful. So uh, yeah, power plays power plays in the playoffs are like gold. You have to be efficient with them uh, when you get them in the playoffs. And I have, uh, like you said, you know, playoffs are a long way away yeah. right now. But it's worth thinking about. Like, hey, you only get one or two cracks at a power play in the playoffs. You know, like they, they don't call it all that tight. You'd like to have some semblance of an idea of, you know, just like basic competence uh, in your power play, and they don't have any of that right now. Yeah, I, I want to go to the Kevin Hayes for a second because uh, I know you were talking about um, what's his face face uh, down in the AHL. Um, you know, I understand that he came back from the game, but if you're AV, you got to realize, well, shit, now do I put him back out there and maybe he injures himself again? So I, I don't know, uh, you know, what you do from there. And with Ellis being out, you know, how much more does that make you want to bring up? Um, fuck, I can't even think of his name. I'm, I'm too busy driving. That's, 
No, I feel you, and thanks a lot, Hunter. Uh, I really want um, – I really just want Morgan Frost up here because this team, again, nine straight games with two or fewer goals. I, I'm not saying Morgan Frost is a cure-all, but there's no way he – there's no way the power play is worse. Like, he has to help the power play just simply based on, like, law of fucking averages. And he's got, I think, 11 points in 13 games, I think 10 in his last nine. Um it, has he been great from all accounts? No, he hasn't been absolutely dominant. But maybe he's just not that kind of player. But I have to believe he can contribute something offensively to this team. If nothing else, help the power play a little bit. I, right? Like, I know it's real. That's the thing. I know how hard it is to make trades. I understand that, especially a difference-making offensive player is real tough to go out and get, especially in fucking, you know, we're not even at Thanksgiving yet. You know, like, it, it, it's a waiting game for everybody. Everybody thinks they're in it except for, like, Arizona right now. Um, but you have a guy in your system who's producing offensively for the Phantoms who do not produce offensively whatsoever. He's doing it. I don't know. I just got to believe he'd be an upgrade over whatever we else we've got going offensively right now. Uh, Tanner Robertson. Tanner, you're live on the posting. Hey, Bill. I'll just kind of follow up on what you were talking about with Frost while we're on the topic. Um, I, I don't disagree, and I, I, I want to see Morgan Frost up in this on this roster. My, my concern is that because our power play doesn't really have an identity, I just feel like Frost is just going to be another high-skilled guy that doesn't really know what he's doing because nobody seems to know what they're doing. Um, it seems to be a structural issue to me, and I, I think Terry needs to go. Yeah, I think that's without a doubt. I just uh, considering that situation, adding skill like uh, can't hurt. Like, yeah, yeah. Could, could it make no difference? Yeah, sure, absolutely. There's a real high possibility, in fact, because this thing, like you said, looks like it's a systemic issue. Um, I just they have to try something. I would. Yeah, I agree. The, I would love for Tarion to get fired. I don't see that happening because it hasn't yet. Right. I mean, it's not like you're watching the power play and saying like, oh, God, you know, if they just had like a little bit more skill, these pucks would be going in. It's just like uh, just a train wreck out there. But I mean, like you said, it can't be worse. I mean, so so we think at least. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, what I wanted to, you know, uh, what I wanted to bring up first was uh, in terms of silver linings of last year. Obviously, last year sucks for everybody. But, uh, you know, Carter Hart playing really bad in a contract year. And if this is the version of Carter Hart that we're getting, a silver lining this year is we might have a top 10, top five goalie um, on a relatively cheap contract. Um, Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Jacob Markstrom is having an amazing year. He's already got four or five shutouts. He's got like a sub one and a half goals against. He's been absolutely phenomenal. And Carter Hart just um, outdueled him. <laughs> like, yeah. Johnny Goudreau had what, like 10, 12 shots tonight? He stopped them all. Uh, it, this, was, this was another high – it wasn't just high volume. It was high-quality performance for Carter Hart. It, man, last year might have saved them three, four million bucks on his deal. I, I mean, very literally, yeah. Um, and it's weird. I mean, like – I I feel like starting around the midpoint of the second period, I knew they were going to win this game, and maybe I would, you know, I easily could have been wrong, but it felt like a win was coming. Whereas I feel like, you know, last year I would have been just like, this is, you know, we're we're going to lose this four one or something. 
you know, maybe maybe pro Robert Drew is going to get a garbage time goal and we're going to, you know, salvage some dignity, but it was going to be a blowout. Um, but Hart turning it around has just really changed my perception of this team watching him. Well, that's every other issue. When you have the goaltender, everything else seems fixable. Like, all right, yeah, like, we can't score. We'll figure it out. Like, call someone up, go get somebody, fire a coach. Like, all right, suddenly we can score. Like, suddenly the defense doesn't look so bad because every mistake doesn't end up in the back of the net. So, like, oh, wow, the defense can now have confidence. And right. Risk the line. Risk the line. It looks like he can play when he looked like an abject fucking failure. <laughs> like, right. do you think he became better or is he just growing into his role because he's not terrified of every shot going in the net? Uh, so, uh, it, it's been huge for everything and a couple of nights ago when he had the uh when when he had the 39 save win against carolina i just said if he can steal one game against elite an elite team that means he can do it four times which really that raises their ceiling as a team now most teams never reach their ceiling uh but it's nice to know that they have this like this element that is the most important thing man if this holds up like yeah, they can just fix a couple of problems, a few band-aids, and they could go on a playoff run. Right. I mean, this is the kind of goalie where if you just sneak into the playoffs, a goalie like Cart, like, like Carter Hart has been playing the last couple of games is the type of goalie that can win you a playoff series against a one, two, or three seed. Um, so, yeah, it's, no, it's he, exciting uh, to see. It is. It is. And thanks a lot, Tanner. Um, let's go to John McFadden. John, you're live on the post game. Sorry. John. Oh, yep, there you are. I miss the unmute button. Um, man, everyone just hit on all my points. So I will say this. Uh, awesome game tonight. Uh, Carter Hart rules. Um, the only thing I can bitch about, can the Flyers just bring back the jerseys from the alumni game? Oh, Here. dude, that's like my biggest takeaway from the alumni game. Like, And I've I've said multiple times, like I like the uh, the neon orange they wear now, but – Holy shit. What looking at the the black and the orange jerseys last night like that's what they should be wearing those. Like at least every now and then like why not have a lot of jerseys that everyone loves? I those are great classic jerseys. The, I I need to dude, see them the, the Phillies their the Phillies do their blue jerseys like several times a year. Why can't the Flyers do the burnt orange like, you know, 10 times a year or something? Or the black jerseys every now and then. I, I don't know. It just, I feel like baseball does a better job of doing the retro stuff or they bring it back more often than hockey will. But, um, oh, with, without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. I wish it was like basketball and every team had 12 jerseys, honestly. Yeah, that would fucking rule. <laughs> All right. All right, man. Thanks for taking my call. All right. You got it. Thanks a lot, John. Uh, let's go to Reese LaRoche. Reese, you're live on the post game. Hey, Bill, how are you? How's it going tonight? I uh, can't really complain. I mean, 2-1 victory is, uh, you know, it's a pretty great result. And just Carter Hart is playing absolutely out of his mind right now. It's it's really great to see, especially the year he had yet um, last year. It's just, it's absolutely just, he's a joy to watch right now. He's He's been every bit as good as I remembered uh, from a couple of years ago. Like, the bad year last year didn't, it didn't lower my expectation that he was going to be good, but it kind of lowered, okay, how good? Is he just going to be a decent goaltender that you can win with? Or is this, do I still think he can be the great goalie you win because of? 
And I kind of started to think it wasn't that. Maybe he's just decent um, with last season. But, damn, he is back and then some this year. He's playing the best hockey of his career right now. Yeah, for sure. Like even like two years ago, I remember his home record was like nine fifty or nine forty around there. But his away record was I think it was like eight ninety or something. So you know, like his away record, it could have he was kind of like on and off a few years ago. But um, this year, he's just consistently night in, night out. Just he's he stole us some games, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And you know, I, I think I think the Flyers are playing pretty well defensively. But like, just Carter Hart is you know last year he just played. He was extremely small in the net, you know, and I feel like he's uh, making the saves they're supposed to be making and then, you know, making excellent saves on top of that. So he's he's honestly, um, yeah, like I can't ask for more. And, you know, Rasmus was the line and I was I was so mad when they made that trade. And, you know, the first few games he's uh, he was playing, I was kind of uh, upset because, you know, we gave up a first round and like a second round pick for him. But, you know, if if he can just play his physical game and you know chip in some offense because he does have offensive upside then that's uh i wouldn't say he was worth the first round pick still but he you know he'd be a good uh second pair defenseman absolutely and uh, honestly like at this point all these draft picks that we've had and yeah some of them have been great and most of them have been pointless that first round pick that the flyers were going to make served zero purpose in my life like that guy is some guy that like I'm gonna be like 40 when when that dude breaks in. Uh, I, you know, I, I got no time for that. They needed to do something with that draft pick that affects the current team, and they did. Is it too high of a price to pay for Rasmus Ristolainen? Sure, uh, but sometimes you have to lose a trade in order to make your team better. I you know that's I, I know that sounds fucking asinine, but sometimes you just got to do shit like that. Because this team needed what Rasmus Ristolainen does. And yeah, those first couple games, it was like, ah, oh, fuck, we just got Luke Shen again, didn't we? But he has looked real strong since then. Uh, Chris, Chris, no last name. You're live in post game. All right, there you are. Hey, Bill. Uh, first time in a long time. Uh, been with you since the dark Haxtell days. Um, I got, got one positive thing and one negative thing. Positive thing, I think. That McEwen and Ristolainen, those type of players, they let us play these games, these grindy, you know, one goal games, which the Flyers have sucked at for years and give us a chance to win by dragging a uh, faster team into that sort of, you know, grindy, mucky type of game. Um, and the negative thing, obviously the power play. I'm just so sick of seeing the umbrella, the, the, you know, three guys up high and every shot's from the point if they even get them. Um, Terry and obviously sucks, but I think also it's just that with Ellis out, they don't really have a defenseman with the skill and the speed to roam the blue line by himself on a power play. So they can't really have the firepower down low. Yeah. 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 I think, I, I think Ellis missing is a big part of that, Chris. Um, they clearly don't have. They're missing some sort of dynamic element to make the just the puck just seem stuck. Like the, it, everything is just so stationary and so methodical. 
Like they need another, whether it's more firepower down low, whether it's that defenseman up high kind of playing quarterback. Uh, but yeah, it does look like you mentioned, and thanks a lot, Chris. You mentioned the, um, you know, the dark hackstall days when you started listening. Um, well, that's what the fucking power play looks like right now. Like every shot is coming from up high. It, like you said, if they even get a shot, uh, and it's just been, it's so shit to watch because you just not like, yeah, if Drew makes a nice feed or something, something extraordinary happens, they'll get a chance. Otherwise it's just going to be boring perimeter play. Like, I swear, I don't have the box score right in front of me, and I should, but I swear to you, it seemed as if Carter Hart made more saves than Jacob Markstrom did while the Flyers were on the power play tonight. Uh, it just seemed that way. Uh, let's go to Brian Hammond. Brian, you were live on the post game. Hey, Bill. How you doing? Uh, what's up, Brian? How are you tonight? I'm doing well. Uh, great, to, great to see them get that win, and uh, amazing to see Hart playing the way he's playing. Um, I listened to about half of the game on the radio and I saw about half of it uh, streaming. And I guess something that I, I, I usually catch about maybe a third to a half of the games uh, on TV and the sense I get, and I, I'm asking you, cause I know obviously you watch, you watch all the games. Uh, is it my bias as a fan or does it really seem that, um, or maybe I'm just catching the wrong times. Uh, I, I feel like tonight's game and a lot of games that I see, uh, Calgary coming in tonight really fast with possession. If there's a little bit of a turnover near the neutral zone, they're coming in fast with possession. The puck's on their stick, and it seems like the Flyers are always coming back the other way, discombobulated. It makes me feel like I'm. Uh, if it's like it's nerve wracking to watch. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the Flyers are. Man, especially right now, the, just the offensive attack, they just don't seem like they know what they're doing. And, yeah, Calgary, they are another team. Like, they're another team that is just considerably faster than the Flyers are. And they do seem to really have, like, they really seem to have an identity. Like, they have high skill. They're a fast team. But they want to get the puck down low, and they want to get in your goalie's face. Uh, like, I know what they're trying to accomplish when they're on offense. And right now, whether it's at the power play or five on five, I don't see that with the Flyers at all. Yeah. Well, and, and, and when I guess what I, what I wonder about, too, is when, I, when I'm listening, or I, I looked, looked at the stat sheet and I kind of felt like I, I, I didn't hear it on the radio and I didn't see it when I was watching. I don't know how the Flyers outshot uh, Calgary. I don't know how, how they seem to have that kind of offensive output. Clearly, Markstrom had a good game, but. Uh, every time I was looking, it was hard bailing, uh, bailing them out. And uh, I, I don't know. It's, it, it's, it's a strange, it's just like kind of a, a weird phenomenon that they certainly have some talent. Obviously they're down some people, but uh, is it, do you think that does it feel more to you that it's just a team figuring it out? Or I, I feel like it's a conversation that's had a lot about the same team under the same coaching. Yeah. I, I think like right now they're in a situation like, they're reintegrating guys into the lineup and losing guys again, uh, like in the midst of this goal slump and like bringing Kevin Hayes back in. And, uh, you know, Cam Atkinson's only been here for a couple of months. He goes on an eight game goal slump and they're just trying to figure out a lot of different things with the new lineup. But 
yeah, I, I do think it's there's a bigger issue with the offense, and it's that I don't know if they have enough dynamic skill up front. Yeah, well, I, I, I have to say I live in Pittsburgh. Uh, I moved out here when I was in high school, and uh, I, I got to tell you how much I appreciate listening to you guys. It's uh, it's like home away from home, and I love everything you guys do. So thanks a lot. Oh, thank you. Really appreciate it, Brian. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining in tonight. All right, Harris Barnes is in the Nikki Hall spot. He's doing these. Uh, he's bookending it. He's going to close out the show for us. Harris, you're back on the post game. Uh, hey, Bill, you can hear me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got you. Um. So, um, you guys are recording the podcast later, later this week. Yeah, I believe Thursday is our recording day this week. Okay, uh, sounds good. Also, to your point about the uh, like draft picks thing and trading high picks, um, while probably like trading for Rista Line and trading a first and whatever else they traded was probably a little too much. If you think about it, like you said, the, all these guys take at least two to three years and they, a lot of them end up being busts. The guy that Buffalo drafted is not going to be ready for at least two or three years. And even if you keep the pick, even if like there's potentially a guy who's going to be very good out of the guys you could have drafted, what you only make the correct pick 30% of the time. So it's like, as long as you get good value from the player you're acquiring, I think it's a, a good bet, especially in a draft that wasn't uh, a good draft. Plus the whole COVID issues with the, um, players you're scouting. So um, that's one point. And then the other point is, uh, I guess with the power play, I think um, you could try uh, what Washington has done and you put maybe Atkinson in the Oshie spot in the middle, and then maybe you put Hayes in the Kuznetsov spot down low, because that's part of the reason Washington's been so good is not just because of Ovechkin. It's a big reason why, because teams will basically go four on three and just have one guy shade over on Ovechkin, but how they make it work is because uh, you have Kuznetsov down low and then he finds Oshie um, in the middle or you uh, put it back to Carlson up top and you have just so many options. So I don't know, maybe that's something the Flyers could try. That's, they, do, they, do have, they do have a ton of options uh, with the puck coming from down low or coming from Carlson. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they do pride themselves on creating quite a few options. And of course, when you have the nuclear option always, like it makes every other option more dangerous because it's probably going to be open. Like you said, there's a good chance you're playing four on three in that situation. Um, yeah, I, I would love to see just more of an emphasis. I mean, if you've been listening to me for any amount of time, controlling the puck below the goal line, like how hard can it possibly be? I, I don't, the yeah. net is here. Why don't we try to be closer to the net? rather than as far away as possible. Like, if they could be further away from the net and it be legal, they would. The only thing that's keeping them as close to the net as they are is the blue line. Like, I I, I will never understand the strategy of formulating your offense from the furthest possible point from where you're trying to get. Uh, It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I agree with you completely. Also, uh, before I go, I just wanted to say, um, keep up the good work. Really enjoy all of your content. Would love to uh, meet you sometime, go to a game. I mean, you're just a monster at content creation, and you just run a great podcast. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Harris. That means a lot. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's uh, I love doing this. I have a great time with the post games, but I do have to give it up to Kelly and Steph and Charlie. They help keep BSH uh, on track, and it's it's not a... 
the show isn't the same without all four of us. I, I think all four of us do a tremendous job. Uh, Fly Purbly, um, you know, it's a different show than ours, but I, I think it brings a different perspective. I think that's excellent as well. Kelly's checking out the competitions. We just, we, we do create a ton of content and I think that's our segue into the end. So thanks a lot for that, Harris. You did a tremendous job tonight, uh, you know, setting me up to finish here. All that stuff I just mentioned, you can find on our podcast feed. Just search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts. And it's all the Flyers coverage you'll need in audio form. Uh, like I just said, it's our pre- and post-game shows, our flagship show, Fly Purbly, everything you could want and more. Just search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts. All right, that's it for me, fam. Uh, big win tonight. Nice two points. Physical game, fun game. Uh, well, fun second half of the game, I would say. Fun two thirds of the game. But hey, uh, that's the majority. I will absolutely take an enjoyable majority of the game and two points. So uh, yeah, that's all I have. I'll be back with you after next game. Until then, have a great week, everybody. My name is Bill Matz.